Thank you for choosing this episode of the Lunch Pill Guys podcast. If you like anything you hear, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform, as well as follow us on all of our social medias at lunchpillguys underscore on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Lunch Pill Guys podcast. I am your host, Wyatt, alongside Lucas, Jared, and Bart. No Aiden for two weeks, but we're going to have him back here real soon. Waiting your arrival, Aiden, if you're listening out there. Before we get into anything on this episode, let's go ahead and preview it. We're going to talk about some NBA free agency and the Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving drama. Last but not least, let's hit some news that we missed. Rob Manfred says that there might be an automated strike zone as soon as the next two to three years in the MLB. Big news, uh, little news, good for baseball, bad for baseball. What do we think? Um, I kind of like the subject subjectivity of the strike zone, <laughs> but what? I understand why people don't. Yeah, I think it kind of adds another extra dimension, a little unpredictability. I I kind of do too. I don't what know, is happening? Ahead, what? <clears throat> yeah, I think, I think that, that's insane. People are Bart, always good in the NFL about how refs can't be consistent. <laughs> In, in like soccer when offsides calls are inconsistent. I feel like anything that makes it easier to be fair is a plus. I think this is great for baseball. Bart, you're Mr. Unpredictability in sports. I'm shocked by that. <laughs> yeah, when everything is fair, unpredictability is fun, but it's literally <laughs> unfair to be told that was a strike because the ump can't tell. Yeah. Well, it happens to both teams, so. But not necessarily, though. That's the point. Yeah, yeah, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. You still get the objectivity of an umpire making calls everywhere else on the field. It's not just the strike zone. I think it's good for baseball. Does it make it any more interesting? Absolutely not, but maybe it's a step <laughs> in the right direction. <clears throat> okay. All-time great athlete Joey Chestnut wins Nathan's hot dog eating contest for the 15th time. Most any athlete has ever won a single event, passing Rafa Nadal's 14 French Open titles. Is yeah, he uh, one of the greatest athletes of all time? Yeah. yeah. I mean, no, nobody has ever done what he has done. Honestly, my, my takeaway from this is it's more impressive that Nadal has won the French Open 14 times. I think that's insane. Yeah. Because that's but just like, I feel Joey like so near impossible to do. Like, like, in any like event at the highest level at tennis to win one thing like 14 times in like, what, his 20-year career, roughly? Nuts. But, I mean, Joey Chestnut, it's, like, not even close. Like, I saw the results. Like, he wins by, like, 20 hot dogs every year. Like, he could take it easier, and he chooses not to. And that's Did you see how he, he literally, athlete. like, tackled a fan in the middle of this one? Yeah. And then still oh. won by that much? <laughs> yeah. Like, somebody, like, rushed up on him on stage, and he, like, put him in a headlock and, like, threw him down and then just kept putting back the hot dogs. Some would say he never even stopped eating the hot dogs during <laughs> mid-headlock. Head, he was chowing down. <laughs> Yeah, And then last but not least, Keegan Murray leads the Kings to a 3-0 record in Summer League. Uh, as of recording today, they played the Lakers. He dropped 24 points against them. Maybe he was not such a bad pick overall. But. He saw that picture that they did after the draft of the 1, 2, 3, and 5 picks together <laughs> with him skipped over. Just like, I don't know, that's all he needed. Now he's just like motivated to go out there and win rookie of the year. We'll see. The Kings are back. That's all we needed. Makes NBA is better <laughs> when the Kings are back. That's for sure. Yeah. 
love is in the air in, in the NBA. <laughs> Some free agency news. A lot of things have happened as of when it started on Thursday. A handful of max contracts happened. A lot of trades happened in the NBA. So let's make a game out of it. Are, the, is, are these players a match or no match for their new teams? Bart, I'm going to start with you. Our favorite guy to talk about. Rudy Gobert traded to the Wolves, your favorite team. Mm-hmm. Four first-round picks and a handful of players. What do you think? Is it a match or no match? I'm afraid to say it's a no match. I don't like this one. I think it's just too much, <laughs> too much risk involved. Uh, the Hall is like what you'd expect for a team trading for like Steph Curry or like a top five player, I feel like. It's crazy. Kevin Durant is probably freaking out in a good way because of how much this raises the earth. I should say the Nets are. Um, but anyway, I digress. I just think there are too many question marks. The Wolves traded away their best defender in Vanderbilt. So now are they going to have the same problem that the Jazz had where everybody but Gobert couldn't actually defend on the floor? Cat's not a good perimeter defender. What's going to happen with him? Gobert obviously occupies the paint. Cat's going to be stuck on the perimeter. So we'll see how that goes. They're also going to be stuck with some big salaries soon because Cat just signed a four-year extension. Anthony Edwards is probably going to go to Supermax once he's eligible. And now you've got Gobert averaging $40 million a year for three years. So how are they going to be able to even sign any depth in the next few years? I'm not sure. Most of all, I just don't think this actually makes them contenders. Gobert is like good, but he's not that good. So they just did all this to consistently lose in the third or even the second round. So I say no match personally. Why? What do you think? Yeah, you took a lot of the words that I was going to say. And not to mention that D'Angelo Russell is also on a pretty decent sized contract. So, I mean, four of your top five guys are, are, are going to be paid pretty well here soon. Once Anthony Edwards gets his contract. This, uh, it's a no match for me. This doesn't really have anything to do with the price necessarily. Um, you know, he's, I guess a lot of people would say he's a top 25 player and he's one of the best defensive basketball players, according to the advanced stats or whatever, uh, that, uh, in NBA history. But like you said, I don't understand how they both exist on the floor together. Um, they fill in the gaps in each other's games pretty well. Ta- Towns is one of the better offensive big men in the league, if not one of the three best. And Rudy Gobert is, is the best rim protector in the league, and it's a presence that that Carl Anthony Towns isn't. But when you think about the the teams like Milwaukee, who use Brooke Lopez and Giannis at the same time, or the Lakers, who use Anthony Davis and let's say like uh, Dwight Howard or JaVale McGee, when they do when they do do the two big man stuff, one of the other, the, the two big men are really decent perimeter defenders, and I don't think that either of these guys have the ability to do that. This really kind of banks on whether or not Anthony Edwards not only steps up more as an offensive player a little bit, but really as like a lockdown wing defender. And I don't know even if as much as D'Lo tries, like they're not going to have the perimeter defenders to play all four guys on the floor at the same time. I know that having a rim protector makes it easier to play perimeter defense, but again, like once it comes late game situation, playing against the Warriors or something, I don't really know how they exist together. Jalen Brunson got a four-year, $110 million contract by the Knicks. Oh, by, by the way, probably should have done the news we missed. Knicks might be getting punished for uh, their early agreement with Jalen mm-hmm. Brunson. Uh, risk it all for Jalen, right? <clears throat> you, do, you do what you got to do for some love. Jared, is this a match or no match, Jalen Brunson to the Knicks? I'm actually going to say match. I originally was going to say no match here because he's not Jalen Brunson is not even an all-star yet. He kind of came in on the scene a little bit during the playoffs. But if you look at him, um, I read that this is the it felt like an overpay to a lot of people. But this is the 40th 
he would be the 40th highest paid player in the league with this deal. And if you look just purely off of points per game, which I know is not the be all, end all be all, he's 18th in the league. So I feel like he's about where he should have been paid, actually. Is he going to like bring the Knicks to the promised land? Probably not. But he's still young. He's, he's still getting a little bit better, too. So I don't mind this, actually, for the Knicks. I, so on the binary from match to no match, I would say match. Yeah, I'm also going to match this. And I think if you take a look at Jalen Brunson and you take a step away and you realize he is not the Knicks' savior, then I think you can kind of think about how well this team is going to be. They also extended Mitchell Robinson this offseason. Uh, and then R.J. Barrett is a pretty young piece on that team. So if you think Jalen Brunson, R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, who might may or may not get moved, and Robinson, they have a decent core that could support a star player here at some point down the road. None of these guys may be stars in themselves. And R.J. Barrett may eventually evolve into being a star, and they put another star next to him. But if you think about how well that they've fleshed out their roster, at least a starting five, I don't think it's a terrible contract for, like Jared said, he's the 40th high pay, paid player in the league. He's like top 15 in point guards. I think it puts him at 14. So it, it's not exactly a gross overpay. It, it, we'll see what the Knicks do in the future. I, I would be really wary of how well the Knicks put together the rest of this team. But let's say that they happen to land a star at some point, maybe a Zion or something. Who knows? Um, and down the road and we can have a lot of pieces next to them. Yeah. I really don't know who the Knicks are going to get though. They're such a wild card. Yeah. I feel like they're just like in a position where it's like, they're assembling a lot of like, all right players, yeah. like the Julius Randles and the RJ Barrett and the Jalen Brunson's. And it's just like, well, yeah, there might be a year like two years ago. I said this point where they like kind of, all those guys play at their best and they luck into the four or five seed or whatever they were, or they could all play like they did this year and then miss the playoffs. And it's just right. kind of like, they'll never be great, but they probably won't ever be like awful either. So I don't know. It's a weird position to be in. Good enough to give Knicks fans some hope. DeJounte Murray <laughs> was traded from the Spurs to the Hawks. Lucas, is this a match or no match? I went back and forth in this one a little bit. I'm going to go a slight match on this one. So Trey has always sort of needed a good backcourt partner that he's never had. And Murray is far and away the best backcourt partner he's ever had. He's almost a walking triple-double last year. He averaged roughly 21 points, uh, 9 assists, and 8 rebounds over the course of last season. You add a guy like that to any team, and you're going to get better, especially when your other guard is also sort of a scoring and assisting machine. I think it creates like a, the potential for a really good dynamic duo in the backcourt. So like frontline, like topline numbers... I think it's a match. Where my little bit of doubt comes in is that the actual fit of them playing together, um, especially because both guys are pretty ball dominant. So I think one of the guys is going to have to adopt a more diminished role. And I think Trey is probably better suited to adopt that more diminished role because he's a better shooter than Murray is. Um, So they'll have him play off ball more. So I think the success of this ultimately comes down to sort of Trey's willingness to play off ball a little bit more maybe a catch-and-shoot type of guy. And I don't know whether that's going to happen because he's been the guy there. Um, and not that you can't be the guy and be less ball-dominant, but so much of his game is his passing and is his distribution. If he has to do less of that, um, I don't know if he'll accept that role. So I think, again, like top-line numbers, like I think it works out. And I'll still I'll stay a match on this one, but I do have some concerns just about like 
their ability to play together since they're both sort of ball-dominant guys. I hear you. I, I, I guess I was I was a little bit more optimistic on it. I, I am not so much concerned about Trey adopting that new role as you are, I think. I mean, maybe there's there's no actually any basis for me to say that, but I just feel like, I mean, like he seemed very excited <laughs> when the trade was announced. He was like, let's go to work or whatever. So he's, 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 <laughs> he's going to like it. Um, I, I think like he, it, it will basically be like the Steph role, right? Like if he can embrace the idea mm-hmm. of like exhausting his defenders while he runs around the court and then just catches like spot up threes like Steph does in a lot of the Warriors offense, that would be terrific. I think it's, it's great mm-hmm. in the sense that like the Hawks offense is so one dimensional because it's just give Trey the ball and like let him cook. Uh, so it'll be mm-hmm. helpful because, like, like you said, Lucas Murray is also a really good on-ball player. Murray is not a good three-point shooter, um, but uh, yeah, I guess he he can he can uh, really thrive in like some other things. And defensively, it's huge. Like the whole Hawks perimeter defense last year was trash. Murray is a really mm-hmm. really good defender. He led the league in steals. Yeah. I think that's a huge plus, and it'll be useful for Trey to like, I guess to to literally exhaust less effort defensively because Dejounte might be able to make up for some of his mistakes. The one other interesting thing is that the Hawks basically they give up Danilo Gallinari, right? And that's it as far as their role players go. They gave up picks. Um so they're they're like basically retaining their whole core, which I think is really huge. John Collins mm-hmm. may or may not be on the move, but I think it's a it's like a really strong trade for the Hawks front office in that sense. So I agree. I'm a match on this one. I think they're gonna fit well together. Yeah, it's really a question of whether or not Nick McMillan can put together a decent offense. I saw an interesting stat that said that pretty much the gist of it was the more DeJounte Murray dribbled the basketball, the lower his three-point percentage got. So if he was a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, he was like at something like 37%, and then as he dribbled more, it went down. I don't know. We'll see kind of how they put that together, but everyone always kind of says when you have a guard, like you compare him to Stephen Clay, Steph is a great off-the-ball player, not a great ball defender. Clay Thompson was. They complement each other pretty well. So <clears throat> you kind of hope to rebuild one of those. In like a weird overnight move, Malcolm Brogdon was traded to the Celtics. I thought he eventually he was going to be in another package. But Jared, do you think that this makes sense, Malcolm Brogdon going to the Celtics? Yeah, I'd say it's a match. Mm-hmm. I don't think I have much to say that other people haven't said. I don't think I found anybody that actually disliked this trade, actually. For example, um, they needed a playmaker which they got there. They didn't trade away anybody like they traded away a bunch of bench players that didn't really, don't really play that much in a pick. So they didn't really lose that much in it. Um, and maybe this will probably again, like make them the favorites to come out of the East again, to like bar what happens to KD. Um, we'll see, but I think they have a pretty solid team again. And Brad Stevens has earned the benefit of the doubt already anyway, based off of what he's done in his first year. So I'll say match. Yeah, I think he's just like a very Celtics type player, and for that reason, I think he's a match too. Um, just like in ter- talking in context of like the trade itself, I thought it was like pretty good value too. Like they gave up mostly just like a bunch of role players who like weren't huge contributors on the title run to get Brogdon, which I think is good. But yeah, I, well, like I said before, I think he's just like a very Celtics type player. Like so much of their game last year were just playing like really good aggressive defense and being able to shoot the three. And he's first that kind of defender that the Celtics want. He's aggressive. He can switch on to bigger opponents. So, again, if they're just doubling down on the defense, it's a good move. And in terms of his three-point shooting ability, it's there, too. He shoots at a 38% career clip, which is pretty good. A little bit above 
uh, league average. Um, and so he gives that three-point ability too. Plus, he has the playmaking. He was fourth in drives per game last season, which is something that the Celtics kind of lacked um, in their offense last year. Because when they came up short in the finals was because of their sort of lack of creativity and playmaking on offense um, against the Warriors. And to bring in a guy who can get into the paint, penetrate, and either kick or score because he's driving the fourth most times of anybody per game, I think that that's a huge benefit to the Celtics as well. So yeah, like Jared said, I think pretty much everybody likes this, this uh, move, and I'm I'm on board with it. Lucas, I'm going to come back to you real quick. What do you think this move does, though, for Marcus Smart? If you think about one through four, how does Marcus Smart fit into something like this? I think just because... I think, honestly, if anybody's going to take a more diminished role, it might be Brogdon. Like, I think he could be a good, like, energy bench guy almost coming off if they need it, because I think Smart is... Like, he's the guy in Boston. He fits, he gels with that team. He, like... It's been him and Brown and Tatum there. And so I think, I don't think it means much for his role. I just think he is another guy who can sort of complement his game and fill the void when he's not on the floor. Yeah. Uh, I was wondering if there was a way to put one through, one through four, all of them in there. The, the tallest guy out of Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and Malcolm Brogdon is Tatum at 6'8". And yeah. it's kind of 6'3", 6'5", 6'6", and 6'8", are the height of all four of those guys. So it's interesting to see how that's going to play out. I think it'd be fun to see him come off the bench. Zion Williamson. We're talking long-term with Zion because he's only played like 90 games. Uh, (laughs) Signed a Supermax rookie contract with the Pelicans. Jared, I'm going to start with you. Is this a match or no match long-term for Zion? I'm going to go three for three on matches. I'm going to say match. It is very tentative, obviously, but I am still going to say match. The... The worst case scenario is it could be something like Greg Oden who just completely fizzles out and we never see his potential, but he's so electric when he's on the court. And I feel like I've been in Zion's corner for the most time or for the most part on this podcast. So I want to continue to be in his corner. Good. A good comparison could actually be Steph Curry, who was injured a lot in his early career as well. He had a lot of ankle injuries. One year he only played like 26 games. Um, For example, Zion has missed way more games than Steph did, but that could be the good example where if Zion kind of takes whatever he needs to do to get rid of his injury woes, if he takes that preparation a little more seriously, um, then he's so electric while he is on the court that I would take that risk for now. Otherwise, I don't know what the Pelicans are doing anyway. So I, I, I'm going to say match. What do you say, Wyatt? Yeah, Jared, I think everything that happens in the Pelicans' future is going to be completely dependent on whether Zion Williamson is able to play a steady amount of games down the road. Um, and then there isn't really anything wrong. Like, you can't sit there and point the fingers at the Pelicans and say, like, you failed him or whatever. Or maybe he just deals with injuries his whole life. Uh, but it, it looks like with the moves that they've made up to drafting Zion and then now since after they've drafted Zion, they're truly committed to a rebuild. And Zion is the core of the machine that they're trying to build as well. CJ McCollum is like a veteran leader, a veteran scorer. He has been pretty deep in the playoffs alongside Dame in Portland. And Brandon Ingram is another star alongside Zion who is who has gotten infinitely better every year that he, he has played so far. I think that they've been aggressive, aggressive enough. They may not be trading for a Kawhi or a Kevin Durant or whatever it might be. But Zion is supposed to be 
the Kawhi and Kevin Durant or one of the five to eight best players in the league when he's healthy. So if they, if they're able to get him on the court alongside the rest of them, I think it'd be a pretty decent match. If you ask me, which he did. Um, John wall <laughs> was finally released out of his prison in Houston. The Rockets bought him out. So now he was a free agent to go wherever he wanted to LA is where he chose, except it was the Clippers, the little brother. Bart, what do you think about the Clippers bringing on John Wall? Is it a match or no match? I'm going to say it's no match because I basically think he's a no match anywhere he goes. I'm mm. sorry, John, but I think you are washed. I'd love for him <laughs> to prove me wrong. Wow. I, I just yeah. don't. Straight I to don't, his face. I, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, John, if you're listening, I'm sorry and I love you. But <laughs> it, it's just I think that's that's like he's trending very much downwards right now in his career. He's played 40 games total in the past three seasons he hasn't played more than half of the season since 2016-17 so he like he can't even stay on the court why should we assume that he will be able to this year he actually put up some of his career worst numbers in the last season he he did play 2020-21 so like i said he's trending downwards we know how much he relies on athleticism like you know he's not a shooter He, he loves to drive draw fouls get points in transition um he he was like a decent defender at one point in time all of that's dependent on him having athleticism. And so after all these injuries, like what is he still going to be able to do those things? I am skeptical. I will say this, kind of like what Wyatt has said about Russell Westbrook being a spark plug off the bench for the Lakers. I think that's the kind of role that John Wall might thrive in. Uh, and it's mm-hmm. TBD if they're going to use him that way. But it just seems like it would make sense because like he'd be able to rest more uh, and he'd be able to dominate the ball a little more. But uh, as it stands, like if he's going to be their starting point guard, I don't think he adds too much. Lucas, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, th- I have almost exactly the same things as you do. I think it's just a no match. Like, I do get it to some point from the Clippers' perspective. They need a playmaking guard to sort of complement Kawhi and Paul George. But I just don't think John Wall can be that guy anymore. Like like you said, Bart, he's barely played it at all. He's had Achilles injuries. And I think, I know it's not a huge deal, but I think the Clippers investing in someone who can't really help them in the long term just because he's just on such a downward trajectory is a bad move when there are so many other good young playmaking guards they feel like out there that they could have invested in for like a comparable rate and would have been better going into the future. Like I think they're betting on him being 2016 John Wall when that's just never going to be the case again. Like 2022 John Wall is just a very different player. And though they were like his career worst numbers when he last played in 2020-21, like 19 points per game and 9 assists is like pretty solid. But he was playing on a team with like basically no talent where he was like the only guy and had to do everything. And he's still and like I would expect more out of him than nineteen points and nine assists if that were the case. Um, so at the end of the day, yeah, I just think he's kinda washed as well. And I think he's just like not a good fit and them investing in an older guard would probably just based on name recognition as opposed to like trying to get one of a younger guard at like a similar clip is a mistake. Okay, but okay, here's my question. I'm glad you mentioned name recognition. Is that the problem with the John Wall? If if we look at a depth point guard for 13.2 million over the next two years who has, let's say John Wall's scoring abilities. Is that better? Or is it impossible to separate John Wall as the support player or versus John Wall as a superstar? Like, are we always going to look at him as like a, a cornerstone now for the Clippers? I think that people will. And I think that like rightfully or not, because I think he's at the point in this, in his career where he's like, just not ever going to be at that level. But I think that, like, yeah, it's just, like, 
it's always going to sort of like hound his reputation that we're, we're we want 2015 2016 John mm-hmm. Wall. And when he just doesn't deliver that, it's going to seem like he's underperforming expectations. That's fair. Um, to wrap up the segment, was there a team out there that you thought did not do enough in free agency that you wanted to see them be more aggressive? I think the Phoenix Suns. I mean, like obviously Kevin Durant outstanding on that one, <laughs> but I feel like their window is is closing and closing quickly, and they just really haven't made many moves at all. And so I would have liked to see them wheel and deal a little bit more. Obviously, again, I know they're one of the leading contenders for Durant, and we'll talk about that later. But in in if that doesn't happen, then I think they will kind of botch the offseason at this point. <laughs> Jared, what about the Dallas Mavericks? Do you think they did enough? Um, I guess it's yet to be seen what Jalen Brunson turns into. Is kind of I feel like what this offseason will be evaluated on, and what they get from the the tampering from from the Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh... The Mavericks were a little disappointing for me as well. And maybe, you know, you give them a round of applause for not signing Jalen Brunson because it kind of puts a cap, financially puts a cap on what that team could be down the road. But I think that they should look to add another player alongside Luka. Like, Luka is, his prime is going to be from now for the next maybe like eight to nine years. Uh, And he's got plenty of time to play fantastic basketball. But it's also been pretty clear that the team around him is not exactly fantastic. And whether or not Tim Hardaway Jr. comes back and plays a major role as a number two, uh, there's a question of whether he's good or not, to good enough to be able to do something like that. And Luca may be one of the three best players in the league, but it, this is a, a two-person race when it comes to championships, and everyone mm-hmm. who's won a championship has had another guy next to him. What about this? Kevin Durant... And Kyrie Irving to blank. Is it a match or is it not a match? We actually have no idea where they're going. But we do know that they're going. Kevin Durant requested a trade from the Nets. Kyrie Irving has not formally requested a trade, but he's reportedly forcing his way to L.A. Both (laughs) players, however, have a desire to play together. Bart, how shocking is this request from Durant? And who should throw the kitchen sink at the Nets to acquire him? So... (laughs) This is like a cop-out answer. I think the request is simultaneously shocking and not shocking at all. And let me explain to you why I say that. I think it's not shocking because we know exactly who Kevin Durant is at this point, and it fits the bill for him. This Mm -hmm. is who Kevin Durant is. He's seemingly never happy. He's like the most insecure superstar in the world. Like, you know how quick he is to respond to haters on Twitter. So I like it's 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 totally in line with how easily like things get to him and how he like wants to have this perception around him of like being successful in certain places and clearly he doesn't feel like he's getting that on the nets. But I the reason I say it is surprising is because like where is he going to go that's better for him in the sense that the nets have done everything. They've been over backwards for him and Irving to try to make this work. Uh and they still couldn't find success. Like what team is going to do the same thing for him? Like he wanted to play with Kyrie, he got it. They both wanted to play with DeAndre Jordan. They got it. They traded some assets away for that. They didn't like Kenny Atkinson as their first coach, so they got rid of him and hired Steve Nash. It's like most people would probably say that was a bad decision, but sorry, Steve. Uh, not to mention they gave away so many picks when they traded for James Harden, too. And now he's gone. I just, I laid it out. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, 
<laughs> I just feel like it's like he's going to get traded and he will most likely have a lot less autonomy over the roster and things like that. And then he's probably going to get frustrated again. And you can see how this goes. So anyway, yeah, I, I, I am not surprised at all, though, because Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant and he's like constantly on the move and he's never happy. So in terms of who should throw the kitchen sink at him, let's be honest. Any team that feels like they have assets and would be a championship contender with them should go after him. So, like, any team, basically. Everybody should at least be calling the Nets and seeing what they want. And, like, again, like I mentioned uh, when talking about Rudy Gobert, that trade haul probably makes it really hard for some teams to even be in the domain to get Kevin Durant. But still, so, like, the Suns, we know. The Suns are one of the two teams that he mentioned on his wish list, which, like, okay. It's so convenient how he mentioned the two first seeds on his wish list. Once yeah. That's Kevin Durant. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. But like they have, a, they have a bunch of first round picks. We already know that Aiton is probably on the move. CP3, Booker, and Durant as a trio would be unstoppable. So I like that one. I've seen people saying the Clippers should absolutely be trying to swap Paul George for Kevin Durant. Yep. I would love that as well. <laughs> um, like, and it's like a lot of young teams. Like the Grizzlies would be a good one because they have a ton of assets. The Raptors are one that you hear a lot of. They would also get really good if they could get him. The one thing that I've seen in terms of him staying with Kyrie, funnily enough, is the Lakers. <laughs> if the Lakers wanted to send Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook and picks for uh, Irving and Durant, that is a thing that I have seen thrown around that maybe would be possible. Please, but, no. Uh, I do not I mean, want that to happen. We all. want chaos, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. That would not would be chaos. That, that, would be, that would be a freaking... Well, the Nets would be chaos. Well, it could be a chaos, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> or it could yeah. be a juggernaut just like the Warriors, though, and everybody hated that. Well, I but I would like... love that because Durant would be successful again on a team where he didn't deserve it. I, th- I love <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'm telling you, I feel like it'd be fun. Like, I think, like, just seeing LeBron and KD and Kyrie all play together That's and just broken. like seeing what would happen is intriguing <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah so in, in summary though I, I everybody should be because he's he's 33 but he's on a four-year contract still and you're gonna get like two three maybe even the full four years of championship contention if you already have a solid team so everybody mm-hmm. and that plays into what you said earlier Bart that KD probably is not going to have more leverage um, going somewhere else where he did have a lot of power at the Nets. And that I, I looked this up is apparently no NBA player has a no trade clause. No NBA, NBA player does currently. Uh, some have effectively have like some clauses that would make it hard to trade them. But KD and having that four year contract, it makes it hard for him to say, well, I'm not going to like resign with you or whatever. I guess you could pull Ben Simmons and say, I'm not going to play for you. But I don't know if KD would be willing to do that at this point. So, it, it maybe if he went to like the Pelicans, for example, he might he might be willing to do it, but uh, or the Kings or whatever. But um, yeah, I'm I'm curious to see how it plays out. Did anyone Can I throw a name out there? Oh, go ahead, Lucas. Yeah, the Portland Trailblazers. Oh my goodness! Uh, I mean, Dame didn't he post it on his Instagram? He did, but like... what 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 can the Blazers give the Nets? Would be my. Question. I've heard I've heard Bledsoe, Simon, Sharp, and like three picks. <laughs> I would do that. I would do that that as well. The the one problem with the Simons factor is because he just signed, they have to wait till December to be able to make that trade. Yeah. Wait, really? Yeah. There's you can't just like trade away a player who signed a max without the intention, not the max, but sign a new contract without the intention of it being a sign and trade. Sign and trade. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, did anyone see that Paolo Banchero posted on 
his yeah. Snapchat or his uh, Instagram story of like, let's make it happen. And then <laughs> Richard Jefferson said that he would that you would not be on the same team with Kevin Durant if the Magic were to trade for Kevin Durant. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's funny. <laughs> That's a good point. Paulo knows exactly what he's doing. He wants out. All along. Mm-hmm. The the trade request for me is not shocking that Durant wanted out. The shocking part is that he still wants to play alongside Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. Initially, when the request came in, it it was after Kyrie Irving had opted back in to his last year player option, and it made sense. They said that you know what? I'm I'm done with this. I'm going to find my way on to a, a new team and actually be serious about winning a championship. I'm sick of the antics. Ben Simmons clearly is disconnected from the game of basketball. Kyrie Irving's main priority is not winning basketball games. I've come out and I've balled over the last like couple of years and I'm going to go move on and do something great. And then a report comes out and says that they want to play together still, which me, which reads incredibly tone deaf to me. Bart, you laid out everything you said uh, about what they've done to empower Kyrie and Kevin Durant. I said it a week ago on an episode of everything that they've done to power Kyrie and Kevin Durant. It, the failure of the Brooklyn Nets has has been on their shoulders entirely and their inability not only to play together full time, but to make the right moves in like a LeBron-esque type way. So for Kevin Durant just to be like, I'm out. That's that's where his his legacy starts to get hurt. If he requested a trade and they didn't want to play together still, I could see a situation where he goes on and plays in, let's say, Dallas or he plays in Memphis and then they go on and they make the finals or win a championship and nobody looks at him sideways. But now it now it's kind of like the idea that he that the Nets failed him. That's that's ridiculous to me. And then that just doesn't sit right with me. What about the theory that this report that they both want to play together is a smokescreen for Durant to kind of save face a little bit so that it doesn't look like, oh, I recruited like Kyrie to play in the same place, but now I actually don't want to play with them, but I don't want to make it look. But would anybody blame him if he just outright didn't want to play with them anymore? Because he's because Kyrie Irving's the reason why James Harden doesn't want to play in, in Brooklyn either. Is that confirmed though? I mean, it's pretty confirmed. They were they were oh, very but, yeah. they were a- very antsy to get Kyrie Irving the vaccine when there was reports that he might get it. They were like, "I'll go and I'll stick the needle in myself." Like that was <laughs> like they really wanted him to get, to be serious about playing, and that didn't happen. And I don't know if anybody would blame him if he decided that he didn't want to. And you know what the funny thing about this report is? You play together now. You're both under contract. You're both a <laughs> Brooklyn Net on the same team right now. That is kind of decent. If Kyrie Irving committed to playing 82 basketball games, or at least 75 of them, you don't think that they can see what happens? Again, it reads, it reads incredibly tone deaf to, to believe that the Nets organization is the, the factor that has failed them so far up to this point, rather than anything else that has happened to them. But, you know, I think the one thing about it is that their actions do not coincide with with Reality. with them wanting to play together. Kevin Durant's two teams are the Suns and the Miami Heat, and they both don't have a need for Kyrie Irving. Um, and then the same thing, it's Kyrie Irving wants to go to L.A. There isn't, it's a possibility, but there isn't really a fit for Kevin Durant over there as well. So I don't see a situation where they actually do end up together. Lucas, how about we start with you? Who do you think should make a big trade for Kevin Kevin Durant? I mean, I think the the clear it it 
falls into what I was saying earlier, where, like, I think the Suns were so, like, have been so stagnant this offseason and, like, not getting anything done when their window is so clearly closing. Like, Chris Paul is not getting older. Aiton is almost certainly going to leave this offseason. And say what you will about DeAndre Aiton, but he's a really good player on that team that contributes. I think that their window is closing quickly, and if they want to do anything to win... Because I don't think Devin Booker's ever going to be the best player on the championship team. Um, mm. So I think that they got to pair him with somebody good while they can. So I think if anybody should just like throw the kitchen sink at it, I think it should be the Suns. But we'll see. Maybe the Sixers, too. People throw out the Sixers. They were like the fourth betting favorite at one point. Mm. Um, I don't necessarily love that. Um, but I don't know. Harden and Bede and... Uh, and Durant together would be near unstoppable. So, we'll see. Supermax, James Harden, yeah. Um, I think that the team that should trade from would be the Clippers. And Bart, you mentioned it. Uh, Paul George and Kevin Durant swapped, basically. I think the Clippers would have to give up some picks as well. Would give both teams the ability to contend. The Nets with, with Paul George and Ben Simmons still has the ability to be, like they would play off each other pretty well. Ben's a playmaker. Paul George is a scorer, both really good wing defenders. It gives them the ability to be maybe one of the six best teams in the in the East still at that point, and maybe that's still too high. But it, it, Paul George has played some really good basketball on his own, like when he did when he was in Oklahoma City. So I don't think that that's impossible either. The really big factor in the trades is Ben Simmons' contract. And, you, and the CBA says you can't have two players on a rookie max extension on the same mm-hmm. team. So that would take out Michael Porter Jr. being a trade asset. I thought the Nuggets might be a team that they want to go for. Uh, that takes out really the Miami Heat or at least Bam Adebayo being a trade asset because you can't trade him as well. And um, I think that the team that should go for him is the Pelicans. And Jared, you said that he might just say straight up, I'm not going to play. But I mean, still, you'd, you'd probably have to lose Brandon Ingram in the deal. And it's almost Kevin Durant for Kevin Durant, right? But you switch you switch him out. You have a better version of Brandon Ingram, and then you still keep like a CJ and a Zion at least, and you have the rest of your team fleshed out pretty well. And I think that they'd be a really good team uh, as well. I mean, they're already going to be a really good team just once they have a healthy Zion, right? So yeah. yeah. But I mean, you swatch you sure. swap out Brandon Ingram for better Brandon Ingram. Yeah. Imagine how good that they <laughs> gonna, would be. It's gonna be great. Also, I would love to see Toronto do it again. I mean, they like they. I, I want to see them rent championships, basically. Like they, they go, <laughs> they trade for Kawhi, and then Kawhi wins them a championship and leaves. And Kevin Durant wouldn't just be the one and done that Kawhi was because he has uh, four more years left on his contract. But uh-huh. I, I would like to see, like, you trade. You, they probably should just trade like OG Ananobi, who I know is involved with every Toronto trade package, um, <laughs> every single one. And then you have him, Pascal Siakam, and then Fred VanVleet, and you have a pretty decent team and Scotty Barnes, but. Yeah. yeah. What about the Bulls, Wyatt? I would like to see the Bulls. But <laughs> I think that'd be fun. The, but you know I saw they had like the third favorite odds. Yeah, you know, I yeah. DeMar DeRozan again being the sacrificial lamb he for would. a title. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I don't think because going back to the Raptors, I don't think the Raptors would have to give up that much to get him either. I mean like they would have to give up a lot, but like it'd probably be like, be like OG Trent Preston Tua. And then, like, three or four picks. And, like, at the end of the day, like, I think that's a pretty decent 
Like, it's not a ton to give up for a player of Durant's quality. Mm. Yeah, but this is... Gobert got four first-rounders, plus yeah. uh, <laughs> what's-his-face who just got picked in the first round. His name is Patrick Beverly? escaping me. No, no, no. <laughs> no. They, Franchise the cornerstone Patrick just, Beverly? They also... I forgot to mention Pepe. No, no, the player that they... Walter yeah. Kessler, I think, is his name, right? The center. Yeah, uh-huh. So it's effectively five first-rounders. Max Kessler, what's his name? So no, 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 no. I just sorry. No, no hate to all the Walters out there. My name's Wyatt. I don't have. I can't really exactly pick. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Well, I don't have a bad Walker. name, but Walker. Walker, Walker Little. Walker Who's Walker Little? Is he a football player? So um, if the package for Durant ends up being less than the package for Gobert, that I think that the Gobert package was such LOL. a big overpay that it won't have a, an effect. On other trade packages, like <laughs> like no one else is is gonna do that. I don't think. I I don't. I can't. I can't imagine a situation where Kevin right now goes for eight first round picks and the rest of the <laughs> roster. You know, he's playing alone. <laughs> yeah, right. It's just KD yeah. and everyone else in a, a veteran minimum or mid level exception. Uh, last thing about this segment: Is there a suitor for Kyrie out there outside of the Lakers? I don't think so. Yeah, no way, right? I, I think it's the I think it's Lakers or bust, yeah. Yeah. Also, why Walker Little, uh offensive tackle for the Jacksonville Jaguars. There we go. That's so. <laughs> oh, okay. From Stanford, right? Uh yes. Yeah. There you go. Oh, That's dang. how I know. You've been scouting. Yeah, I just watching tape. Just watching a little Walker <laughs> Little tape, getting myself inspired for the football season. There you go. If this inspired you at all. Please go ahead and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can subscribe there as well or follow us to engage with us on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok at lunchpailguys underscore. We really appreciate the listens, and we'll see you later this week.